This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy hump day. Happy hump day to you. Let's talk about the state of emergency for wildfires in British Columbia now declared yesterday by the Public Safety Minister, Mike Farnworth. A lot of people in the interior breathing a sigh of relief. They've been asking for this state of emergency for uh, weeks the government resisting it up and up until now what changed uh well, well according to farnworth what changed was a monday night briefing he got from uh, fire officials who said that this the subtropical weather systems coming in from the states hot winds and dry lightning which combined is a potent uh, factor in, in creating more fires particularly in the Asoyas oliver region 100 mile house uh, so, again, there's going to be some skeptics who say, oh, you could have called it before. And I, I don't think that issue is uh, going to die down soon. But um, I think now people's heads are moving forward. Basically, uh, just check the website again for the wildfire service, uh, 90 fires out of control. Yeah. Uh, about 31 of those are of fires of note. And of those, about 25 are interface fires. So interface fires, as we've talked about before, are ones that pose direct threats to communities, uh, buildings, structures, residences, and such. And that, that's very serious. And the, and the state of emergency is directly tied to one key issue, and that's the the evacuations. Okay, let's listen to Farnworth on that precise point. So here's the public safety minister yesterday calling the state of emergency here, and you'll hear him talk about the potential for large-scale evacuations. Let's have a listen. Based on the advice of emergency management and wildfire officials and my briefing last night on the worsening weather, I am declaring a provincial state of emergency. This will address the potential for a mass evacuation scenario and provide our government with the means to secure the accommodation spaces necessary to support evacuees. Our government has seen incredible cooperation with the private sector and all levels of government, and I fully expect that to continue. But this measure will ensure that the province can do what is necessary moving forward. Okay, Mike Farnworth speaking there yesterday. So in the case of mass evacuations, as he described there, he says this emergency order will help them to accommodate people. So what, they could they could put in public health or public orders to seize hotels or something or, yep. or community centers or yep. house people? Yeah, you can uh, designate buildings, facilities yep. to be evacuation centers. Uh, yep. That's what's really the biggest thing under this emergency order. Uh, can also requisition private um, uh, trucks, uh, planes, uh, those uh, various types of equipment, but it's really about evacuations. Right now, as of yesterday afternoon, more than 30,000 people were on evacuation alert, and that number is likely to grow over the next two, three days as this weather system moves in, pr primarily in the southern interior, but also, you know, 100 Mile House is uh, another area flag for concern. Okay, I thought the NDP government here took a lot of political damage over this as they resisted this for a couple of weeks. And let me play this here for you, Keith, get your thoughts. This is Liberal MLA Peter Millibar on the show earlier today talking about the state of emergency. The weather excuse, um, fine, I guess the Premier needed an excuse um, to dig himself out of the hole. Uh, the end result is uh, the state of emergency that was much needed uh, actually came about. Okay, how much damage? I think the, the NDP did themselves a disservice here by the way they handled this. Your thoughts? 
Well, I'm not sure. If you, again, look at the political map of BC, the NDP's not represented where Peter Milvar is. So or, where, the or fires where, the are, are. where the fires are burning, it's yeah, not NDP it's, territory. Exactly. So it's, uh, but again, you know, it's uh, the Liberals, this is a good issue for the Liberals to uh, to wage here. I mean, it, it revived, I think, uh, their brand in a lot of these communities. So it was one that were properly, I mean, Peter Milbar, Shirley Bond, Corley Oaks, uh, Todd Stone, they were the ones leading the charge here. Uh, Mike Morris, understandably so. I mean, these fires are, are directly threatening communities within their ridings, and that's their job is to raise these concerns. But it wasn't just sort of politics. Like, Horgan was trying to frame well, we this had, as, a, as a political axe-grinding exercise, it, but yeah, that, I thought that's that was not what it was. No, Milibar, I think Milibar's NDP opponent was calling for a, uh, back in the last election. It was a Kamloops City Councilor. She yeah. ran for the NDP in the last election. And she, she was calling for She was calling on Horgan to do something. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, I think this, this transcended Partisan politics, because you also had local councillors, local regional districts uh, advocating for this. I still think there's a lot of misunderstanding of what emergency order actually does. But nevertheless, we now have one in place, and it's going to be interesting over the next three days or so. We'll see how many people are evacuated, and hopefully the numbers are small. Okay, hopefully we get some rain. doesn't look like it gets any, no. any, any time soon. Okay, let's talk about the COVID case count in BC right now and the vaccine effort that's going on. And we talked briefly about this yesterday. I know you did some more coverage on it in Global last night. And that is some of the changing polling numbers we're seeing on vaccine hesitancy uh, in British Columbia so, and across the country. So according to uh, Research Co., um, Pulsar Mayor Conseco yesterday, uh, vaccine hesitancy is going down, uh, and faith in the vaccines is going up. So 88% of Canadians have said they either have been vaccinated or they intend to get vaccinated. Just 8%, which is down significantly, I think it was down five points since May, but I think it was as high as more than 20% some months ago. Just 8% said they won't get vaccinated. Just for anyone wanting to get uh a glimpse of what this could turn into. Just take a look at what's going on in the United States, and particularly the American South. There's a piece, I just t- retweeted a piece that Jody Vance tweeted out of things out of the New York Times in Alabama, where a doctor is basically telling patients who are unvaccinated, um, you're basically going to die. Uh, that's how the Delta variant is spreading in the, in the United States. So right now we've got uh, upwards of 80% first doses, uh, more than 55% second doses. We're on track to hit 85% sometime in September, which is great news. But the United States, I'll tell you, there's going to be a lot of people dying in the United States as a result of refusing to get vaccinated. So people, vaccinations work. And that poll by Mario Canseco shows that Canadians have a lot of faith in the va- vaccines. Let's have, have a listen to Canseco here. Here is the pollster here from Research Company talking about the uh, vaccine hesitancy in Canada. Mario Canseco here. Definitely the numbers have been shifting, partly because now it's something that is definitely more palatable for many Canadians because everybody who was talking about whether vaccines had a chip in them, whether something was going to go horribly wrong, uh, those doomsday scenarios really haven't materialized regardless of what people say in social media. Okay, so more people in Canada appear willing to take the vaccine. Way maybe, more people. Maybe that trend starts in the United States if the if the uh, well, it's the, interesting the, to the, see that this fourth wave really starts to build. The Republican Party leadership is now uh, telling people to get vaccinated in yeah. increasingly urgent tones as they realize uh, it's actually Republican counties where people are refusing to get vaccinated in places like Alabama, uh, in Louisiana, in Arkansas. 
Um, again, just look at some of the American media coverage right now. It is really frightening what's going to happen in some of these American South states and some of the rural uh, constituencies in the north, again, where there's very low vaccination numbers. Right. And if you want a good indication of the effectiveness of the vaccine, if you take a look at the what's happening with this fourth wave of the virus in the United States, people who are in the hospital, who are so sick they're going to hospital mm-hmm. and in some cases dying, the stats are showing it's like over 99% unvaccinated so this is what remember what we were told about this vaccine at the very start it doesn't mean that you were 100 percent guaranteed not to get covid you might still get covid yeah, even two, if you've had 2%. the vaccine but it's very effective in preventing you from getting seriously ill or yeah. dying and, yeah. we're, and we're seeing that with the people who are getting sick and dying in the United States exactly. right now. Exactly. We're going to see increasingly high death numbers in the United States of unvaccinated people. People who are yeah. vaccinated are largely not going to die from COVID-19. We have seen some deaths, but they're very elderly people who have underlying health conditions. That's the case in British Columbia. That'll be the case in the States. Another way to look at the vaccines, look at our own COVID numbers. I track them every day. Vancouver coastal numbers used to be around 200 uh, uh, a day of uh, positive cases. We're now down to single digits in Vancouver coastal. Why? 85% of the people, it's the highest vaccination rate, one of the highest in the entire country in Vancouver coastal, which is Vancouver, Richmond, North Shore, Sunshine Coast, 85% vaccination rate there. It's going up every day, and there's very few COVID cases. Where we do have higher, slightly higher, nothing to hit any panic buttons about, is in the interior. Now the interior has replaced all the other health authorities as the main source of COVID. And the vaccination numbers in some of the interior towns are are fairly uh, small, much smaller than the 80% province-wide. Okay, real quickly, let me ask you about the Olympic Games, which start in Tokyo, Japan, this Friday. The opening ceremony is Friday. Well, you think it could be canceled well, this I know, last minute? I, I know it's the, the head of the Japanese games, the head of the, uh, yesterday was quoted as saying he's not ruling out potentially canceling. There is high oh. COVID numbers in, in Tokyo. I don't think uh. it will be canceled, but the possibility remains. And I, I, I know you got John Furlong on tomorrow. Yeah. Um, the head of the 2010 games talking about bringing the games to Vancouver in what, 2030. Yeah, John Furlong uh, wants Vancouver to bid for the 2030 Winter Olympics for Vancouver. Well, I know Brisbane was the only bidder on the 2032 Games. I wonder whether the Olympics are, you know, the pandemic's changing a lot of things, refocusing a lot of thought on different things and refocusing government's priorities. I wonder whether the Olympics, uh, whether we're sailing into the sunset potentially. Let me play a short clip here for you, Keith, of a Japanese doctor here, Dr. Kenji Shibuyu, uh, on athletes in the Olympic bubble. Have a listen to this. Of course, they are supposed to be within the bubble, but, uh, you know, it's not working well. Okay, well, they're they're in the Olympic bubble, but maybe if maybe there's an outbreak of COVID at the Olympics. Who well, knows? there's already been some athletes uh, who haven't yet arrived yet who have just taken themselves out of the games because they've tested positive for COVID. I still think there's a potential disaster there. Um, and we'll see. If it begins Friday. Does it last uh, through the entire games? If there's an outbreak, a serious enough outbreak that takes athletes out, this is, could, the entire thing could be revisited. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
Hey, welcome back. Let's go right to your phone calls here now to Keith Baldry and Baldry's Beat. Steve on the line in Coquitlam. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. How you been? I'm good. What do you think? Good, good, good. Doing all right. Hey, listen, these wildfires, I've been saying it for a while. A lot of these communities are very close to lakes. They have. They should be setting up these water towers with high, high, high-pressure pumps and with these hoses blasting, you know, the fires, you know, to keep them away from these communities. I mean, if they could spend over a billion dollars on a, you know, on um, on the SkyTrain, you know, they they can be doing this and just set a bunch up. I mean, all these people are losing homes. It's not a hard, you know, it's it's it's. It's not, you know, it's not brain surgery. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Thanks for the call. There is a company in in uh, Prince George, I believe, or in that area, in Northern BC. It's called Safeguard. I had the guy. He was on the show earlier this week, and it really is amazing technology they got. What they can do is, as the caller described, they can set up these high pressure water cannons. Now you need a water source, of course, so you got to be near a lake or a river. But they can set up these water cannons and mm-hmm. and basically create like a curtain of water around around uh, they, uh, threatened neighborhoods. They may very well be deployed in the in the coming days. We don't know. I mean, there's a lot of high tech equipment already at work in uh, in the fire fighting the fires, and it changes, it advances every fire season. What the techniques they're using now were not used ten years ago. Yeah, uh, and the equipment changes constantly as well. So, uh, you know, our fire service is pretty highly regarded worldwide. Yeah, and I asked Farnworth about it, by the way, and asked him about this technology and would it be deployed. And he certainly did not rule it out. He said no. they were looking at it. So let's go to Michelle on the line in Langley. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hi. Go ahead. Uh, I, my concern is about the shots, because the immunizations, because I had my first one. I had a Pfizer. I had such bad chest pain and heartburn and anxiety. And I am terrified of having a second one. What happens if, for health reasons, somebody couldn't have a second shot? How did uh, okay? How long did those the side effects last for you from the first shot? Uh, the anxiety went on for a while, but it was two weeks. Well, okay. So, so far, that's people do. Some people do have side effects, and it does last a day, a few days. In your case, unfortunately, a couple of weeks, but. Uh, the advice is, or the recommend, strong recommendation is, get your second dose. Yeah. Uh, even if you get a little ill as a result of it, you do not want to get COVID-19, particularly the Delta variant that is spreading right now. It's like we'll have a report out on Friday updates us. The Delta variant is likely the major uh, source right now. It climbed from 11% to 37% in one week of all the cases, and it's likely to go more than 50%. This Friday. So again, get the second dose. I mean, even if you uh, are going to feel ill after it, it's far better than getting COVID-19. Yeah, I would agree with that, Michelle. I would encourage you to get the booster shot because when you get the second dose and you're fully vaccinated, uh, you get more protection, yeah. correct, from, from yeah. the full effect of the vaccine. Yeah, the w- so. one dose is very powerful. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to last, but it's going to last more than, than four months. But uh, it, the advice, again, get that second dose, become fully Im- immunized. And you're going to see some travel restrictions going forward. Right now, we're allowing Americans in as of August 9th only if they're fully immunized, which is two doses. And about 40% of the population are not fully immunized. Uh, And Canada will likely face the same travel restrictions in other countries. They're probably going to be limiting travel to only those with fully fully vaccinated. So both shots. Let's go to Rob on the line in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, Keith, you you, you mentioned you don't think this would have an impact on, on voters. I'll tell you myself, I voted NDP my entire life. My grandfather's brother was the premier of Saskatchewan at one time, Woodrow Lloyd. I'm sure you know the name. I do. But 
I will not be voting NDP for this government. There seems to be a real arrogance about them. It's, it's my way or the highway. Uh, for instance, we don't need to call a state of emergency, whether it's how cutting funding for the CDC, the Child Deve- Developmental Center, uh, ICBC, no-fault insurance. I believe it's a disaster. Uh, it just they, There seems to be an arrogance about them, and uh, my way is a highway approach. Okay, thanks for thanks for the call. Well, I mean, the decision to delay the state of emergency may have cost them some support, but your thoughts, Keith? I, the next election isn't for four years or three and a half years, so there's going to be a lot of stuff happening between now and then. Uh, I don't think any much what happens today has a bearing on a vote that's three and a half years out. There's going to be all sorts of issues that come out. But the caller raises an interesting point about arrogance and such. Uh, political parties, the longer they're in power the more they risk being seen as arrogant, taking things for granted. That's what cost the Liberals, if you recall. I mean, they they really came across as, as sort of entitled, beholden to power. Uh, and I think it came up and, and bit them. The NDP has to be wary of that.